0: This is the Frogcast.
1: And welcome to the Frogcast. We are well inside of a month before the Frogs kick off, just a few more weeks until we will be enjoying football at amon Carter Stadium. We're going to talk about a lot that's going on in recruiting. Fall camp has started. Urban Meyer may or may not be out of a job. We're going to talk about that and so much more on this episode of the Frogcast. Well, here we are in this off season. It feels as if it's never going to get here. And then the last few or two or three weeks are the hardest as the way to kind of, kind of creeps towards us. Daniel, what do you do during the off season to survive? How do you survive the off season, my friend?
0: Besides crashing my motorcycle?
1: <laughs> Besides crashing your motorcycle. Yes.
0: Uh, mostly I watch old games. Um, normally like, um, TCU baseball, when it's doing what it should be doing, which is being in the postseason, uh, it stretches the, um, or it shrinks the the complete offseason a little bit. And, you know, you can usually pull you all the way through June. So you really only have July and August. Well, they didn't do that this year, so it um, wasn't, wasn't quite as good. But, yeah, every day I watch a game or two. Um, I try to watch most of last year's games. Uh, maybe once or twice, just kind of have it on while I'm working, and then another time where I pay more attention to it. <clears throat> I don't watch. Usually, I start actually with the Sun Bowl, and kind of work. <laughs> yeah,
1: <laughs> we're going to go back to 1998, and then move forward with every major victory since then.
0: <laughs> That'll it's, fill the yeah. End season. <laughs> yeah. It's it's a a great way to. You know, just relive, relive all the fun, but, you know, watch all the games. I don't watch any games that we lost. Um, I don't – I still haven't even seen um 6158 uh, a second time. I've only seen it the once live, and so uh, – hey, but that's what I do.
1: That's a true fan right there. I like watching the Sun Bowl because it's a great reminder that Patrick Pateau is a better quarterback than Carson Palmer. So that's what I like to do. Jeremy, how do you survive the off season here, my friend? <sighs> Well, I mean,
2: this was the first year in a long time that the basketball team was pretty good, so I got a chance to cover yeah. that. Uh, and then you got camps and uh, more camps, seven on seven, more camps. Recruiting never sleeps, so I'm pretty much never bored with that aspect of everything. But football is, uh, you know, it's where it's at. I get bored when I'm not going to camps or watching recruiting. Watch a lot of watch a lot of shows on Netflix. Watch some, uh, you know, binge watch different episodes of shows that I haven't ever seen before in my life that if I got a little extra time, I'll go in there and watch them as much as I can. Right now, I'm stuck on Yellowstone, which sucks because it's football season and I got other stuff I got to do first before I can watch it. But I recommend that show, Yellowstone.
1: Watch it. Well, it's nine. It's nine twenty-five on a Monday night, and as soon as we get done with this, and we will be done by 10, 14, because I got to go watch season four, episode one of Better Call Saul. So that's oh. my go-to. I'm looking forward to that. Big, big fan of Better Call Saul. So
0: great show. I got to, I got to catch up on season three. I don't think I <clears throat> even started it.
1: Oh, you need, okay. you need to do. It. You'll watch it all in a day or two. Is it? I mean,
2: I watched. Well, we Break, gotta, I benched Breaking Bad. Is it? Is it pretty good? Is it just like that?
1: it starts slow, but you'll enjoy it. It, It's not, it's not a, it's not dry. It's just slow and it, it builds and you like realize how it's all of a sudden you realize you've been stressed out for four episodes. I love it. I love it. And there's a lot of convergence.
0: Yeah. And, but don't, don't expect to be as good as breaking bag as nothing will be that good, but it's, it's fantastic and it's in its own right, but it's not as probably not as, I haven't, there wasn't any in, super intense moments like Breaking Bad had.
1: Uh, th- you haven't watched season three.
0: Ah, see, dang it. All right. I'll do that when there we get up. off.
1: All right. Perfect. <laughs> football practice has started. I know everybody wanted to get our in- insight on Breaking Bad, um, but football has started. Jeremy, you were out there for uh, the first practice. You've had some media availability as well as the the media day before practice even started. Just give us a couple of takeaways from the first practice and your first interaction with the players and with the staff. I know that you put out some really good articles on 24-7. If you're not a member, you should be. But just what's a couple of takeaways that you've gotten so far just in be- your exposure to the program this week?
2: Well, man, that's a it's a broad question. I mean, there's there's so many different things. I mean, Thursday we met with, you know, obviously, Coach Patterson, Sonny Cumbie. Chad Glasgow, uh, several players, Ross Blacklock, Julius Lewis. I, I still got to get caught up on a lot of those stories um, from some of those guys I spoke with. Um, practice was pretty good. I think it's probably going to be the only open practice they have to the media all year. Um, surprisingly, it was just me and uh, Drew Davison that kind of stuck around out there and, and watched the whole thing. But, um, it, you know, interesting things. Uh, probably is the most athletic team I've seen out there. I say that every year because it just seems to get better every year. I mean, the recruiting has obviously changed uh, the look of what TCU's football team looks like. I mean, the safety position's bigger, corner position's bigger, offensive line, running backs is obviously big with Darius and Shaywo. Um The quarterback depth chart, depth chart looks as talented as I've ever seen it. And that's one thing that... I asked Sonny on Thursday if this was the most talented group of quarterbacks he's had since being at TCU, and he said, "Yeah, it is." Um, But I mean, there's there's so many different aspects that you look at when you're out there for a two hour practice. It's hard to just narrow it down to a couple of things. So if you got any questions, if you got some of those uh, great questions, that's just burning in your brain right now who's starting at what position or just going up and down the list. I, the only position I really didn't get a chance to see anything of was kicking. Um, so I can't tell you all you guys, uh, the Jonathan Song fans, I can't tell you that he's starting or go <laughs> months. I can't tell you about how far he was uh, hitting those field goals from, but um, I did watch a lot of the other guys in practice. And the the thing that I like again it's just the overall depth of this team it just seems to keep getting better and and those 2018 kids man they they look athletic they're fast and they already seem to know what they're doing they they're a few of them are already cracking the 3 deep and even some on the 2 deep already
1: well we got a couple questions from listeners about your observations from practice so just uh, let me hit those as quick as I can here let's start with the most basic one <clears throat> is there a quarterback battle
2: well I- I think I think there might be. I think Coach threw us off a little bit at Big Twelve Media Days by bringing Sean out there um, because typically you wouldn't bring a guy that you don't think is going to make some type of heavy heavy contribution to the team and, and go out there and represent TCU. But Thursday, he said that it's it's still an open battle. Sonny even said it was an open battle, and I talked to a couple of the players. And if you guys read the story I posted on Monday. Nico Small even said both of the quarterbacks are really good, and that the competition was still ongoing, and that's a defensive guy uh i am sure I'm mm-hmm. sure everyone the the uh the guys who feel you know I can't even tell you um how many times I've been asked the question are are you serious i mean is this really a quarterback battle and I gotta believe it is just because I've heard so many things it's not coach speak I know someone posts on board does oh, just coach speak. I've been around the program for a long time. I tend to listen to things. I, I tend to get told things that are told to me that when there's not other microphones around or TV cameras or cameras in general. And when I get told those things, uh, literally behind closed doors, you, you tend to listen to them a little bit more. And that's, I, I told you guys before spring, what did I tell you guys? I mean, I told, and a lot of people laughed and laughed it off. There's no way, uh, walk-on quarterback is going to compete with a four- or five-star quarterback. And I'm telling you right now, it seems to be that way. Saturday, I, and Sonny said on Thursday, he's alternating the reps. Saturday, guess what happened? They were alternating the reps at first team. Michael Collins was actually out there first. That might have changed on uh, Sunday when they practiced. I don't know. We weren't out there. But I know the day that I was out there, Saturday, Michael Collins was getting just as many reps with the first team. And and it was even trotting out there first, uh, to, to get those reps. So take it how you want it. You can shake your head. You can, whatever you can do, whatever you want to say. (laughs) I'm telling you it's, it's, well, we will, it's, it's, it's ongoing. And I, and trust me, I, I I think Sean's going to win the job, but, having Michael Collins compete with him the way he is, I think it's going to make Sean better. And if for some reason, Sean's not able to get the job done, at least, you know, you have a backup quarterback that can come in and, and maybe do some things, but interesting, interesting, uh, you know, chain of events, uh, chain of events the last few days uh, with the quarterback
0: talk. Well, if he's good enough to beat Sean Robinson, then he's that good. Yeah. I mean, it's, so uh, it, I'd, I'd be fine. fine. I had one guy.
1: Yeah, you know, I don't think this is a this is a point of strength, yeah. not deficiency. Let's just make that clear. Yeah,
2: I had and I had a friend text me today. You know, how can a walk on quarterback beat a four or five star quarterback? And people keep labeling Collins as a walk on, and that's fine. That's fine. But let's let's think back to when I told my buddy this. You, you obviously haven't read his backstory. He was going to be the starter at Penn. You know who he was playing behind as a freshman? He was playing behind a guy that went to an NFL camp. He was like the all-time leading passer at Penn. So he it's like—it's not like he was playing behind some no-name quarterback at Penn. The guy was a proven leader and a, a proven starter. And so Collins even got time as a true freshman. And then once he announced that he was leaving Penn, he had several Big Ten schools coming after him, some ACC schools coming after him, and TCU was the place he ended up. But uh, if you look back to his recruiting in high school, he had he had a, a ton of interest, but a lot of those schools backed off because he told them that he was not going to go anywhere besides an Ivy League school. He wanted to go to Penn. And then he really had a change of heart to want to play big-time college football after he was there for about a year or so. Michael Collins isn't your typical walk-on player that is – you know, for anyone that's a, a, a just looking at this this whole thing as a as a four star and a walk on, you you really shouldn't, because both guys are talented. And I would say if Michael Collins had his kind of stats with his frame and speed, if that kid was in Texas, my voice is cracking bad tonight. If that kid was in Texas, he probably would have been a four star. He probably would have had a ton of offers. Down here, because I promise you, if you've been around them long enough and seen them throw and seen them run, you're thinking, "How in the world could that kid uh, just go to Ivy to an Ivy League school?" That kid is a major college quarterback, and right now he's proving it.
1: Well, I want to give our listeners a, a moment to hit the fast forward button for fifteen seconds because I'm gonna give you a little trigger warning on a former Oklahoma quarterback. <laughs> Wasn't the Heisman trophy winner who led his team to two out of three three Big Twelve titles and two playoff appearances also a walk yeah. on?
2: And so was and so yeah. and, and so was I know one that, of the best not, receivers ever to play at TCU. Maybe the best maybe Josh the Jackson. best receiver to ever play at TCU. And I seem to remember yeah. him beating out some pretty high ranked kids himself, so
0: he did. Wait, who was that? Yeah.
1: Josh Dotson.
0: Oh well, that's what I thought. I just went okay, I didn't realize I guess he was a walk on. I didn't even think about it. Yeah. See when someone's that good you don't assume they're a walk on. Yeah.
1: That's right. That's right. Well, let's go ahead and uh, move forward here a little bit. We'll get to some more questions, um, but that was the big one I wanted to look at was the quarterback battle because it. it I, I'm going to go ahead and admit I bought into the coach speak and then I thought, well, maybe he's really good and just, you know, they want to make sure Sean gets pushed, but maybe he's maybe he's pushing Sean because he's, he's going to compete for playing time. And if he can beat out Sean Robinson, then he should be on the field. I, I agree with you, Jeremy. I think Sean Robinson is going to be the quarterback this year, but – it looks like he's got some pressure coming up from him um, with, with Collins. So that's going to be an interesting position battle to keep our eye on. You mentioned uh, some freshmen that are uh, on on campus, cracking the two deep, um, making an impact. Some of them were mm-hmm. early enrollees. Daniel, you and I follow this uh, recruiting pretty closely, Daniel, up. Uh, any freshman that you're kind of hoping to see uh, with a breakout season any freshman that you're anticipating having any impact because you know we begin to follow these guys when they're you know late in their sophomore season and then by the time they get here we have high hopes for them anybody that you got um on your radar to have a breakout season as a true freshman
0: uh it's kind of a tie between barber and hunt to me and in some ways they're I often get them confused because they're like almost As good as, you know, like if I feel like, I don't know, for some reason in my mind, they're like the same guy. So sometimes I get them backwards and confused and whatever. But I think one of those really would probably hunt, but I wouldn't be surprised if Barbara did um, as well.
1: Yeah, I think they're both prime candidates. Um, I've heard the further away you play from the ball, the bigger of an impact you can have as a freshman. And those guys out at wide receiver, you know, Barber was an early enrollee. He's going to be able to get in the slot. Um, reminds a lot of people at Turpin, but a, a lot bigger. So if he can, you know, if you're going to have to double up on Jalen Rager and you can slip Tate Barber there underneath in the soft middle, and I think he's going to be able to have an impact. But, you know, you go watch Hunt's senior season tape, that guy, he just catches everything. He's got that big body, big hands, knows how to utilize that and um you know t- Texarkana, those are tough kids and he comes from a tough background. So he is he is not afraid to mix it up. I know he's got a really good heart, but I th- I think those are two prime candidates to be able to make a make an impact as true freshman. Jeremy, anybody that you saw out there that you think's going to be able to maybe crack the two deep and fl- see some playing time in a significant way that are on the of the new guys?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think Hunt and Barber are obviously two guys. Barber, just because he's been playing so well ever since he got on campus in January. I mean, like Sonny said the other day, he didn't he didn't blink. He transitioned right from high school into college without skipping a beat, <clears throat> and he had some good plays the other day. Good good catches. Obviously, was running with the twos behind Terp uh, at that slot position. But Hunt is uh, he's just He's kind of on a different level. i I, I don't want to say that he's going to come in and beat out Jalen Austin, but I do think that he can definitely push for playing time uh, significant playing time uh, to where later in the season you might see hunt more than you would Austin in some situations. but the the receiver that kind of caught out on Saturday was John Stevens and, and, and believe it or not, I, I just I, I put it on the board I, I cannot believe that LSU let that kid out of their yard, out, out of their state. Uh, he's oh. legit, legit 6'5", 6'6". They said he's up to 215 pounds now. He just, He's just a different-looking receiver out there. And, man, he ran some good routes, caught the ball well, can go up and high-point the ball well. He's obviously got a big frame, so he's going to be able to shield the defensive backs off. He had a really good workout at one-on-ones. And, obviously, I asked Coach Patterson about it after the practice and he said he had, he's had some really good practices and that was just through two days. But defensively, O'Shawn Mathis looks like a freak. I mean, I I sat over there and I made comments that how in the hell are you going to, you guys going to keep that kid off the field? And a lot of guys I talked to said, he's the one that really has the best chance out of all the freshmen to, to really not only go in there and just, play that four game, new red shirt rule, but really go in there and attack the two deep, really be able to make some sort of contribution. Uh, it, they're not very deep uh, at defensive end as far as experience goes. You only have Banigou, LJ Collier, Epley, and that's really it. Uh, the other guys behind those guys don't have a ton of experience. Brandon Bowen's athletic not a ton of experience. Gary Overshone's athletic, not a ton of experience. Dennis, Dennis Collins, the list goes on. So with his six, 235 frame and his speed, he's going to have a chance to, to, to really compete for some early playing time and Trayvon, uh, Moore Woodard. I think that's another kid that might have a chance. He was working with the uh, threes the other day, but, Coach P said he's going to he's going to challenge for that backup free safety spot behind Nico small athletically he's one of the better looking freshmen out there good size frame runs well had some nice pass breakups the other day but those guys that I listed are probably the ones that I could see playing the most this year
1: you know you mentioned John Stevens Jr. who I'm I, I am very high on I I like watching his basketball highlights as much as I did his football highlights. He posterized some poor kids in South Louisiana. That guy can dunk. But this is just your reminder, his sister is Sloane Stevens, the yep. uh, World Tennis Association, ranked number three player in the world at the last updating uh last updating this summer. So she's the reigning US Open champion and she's won six uh women's title six women's tennis association titles. So he comes from good blood. I mean, my gosh, that guy's got some talent, so I I am high on him. Obviously you think a barber, you think a hunt because they're local and they stand out. Right. They're both, they're both Texas kids, but my gosh, John Lee, I think we can all agree. This is as, as much as we love Texas high school football. There is something about a kid from Louisiana. that's just got a little more grit, a little more fight. Uh, I don't know. I don't know if they coach him different down there. I don't know if it's the jambalaya, but those kids, they just bring a little something extra to the field on both sides of the ball. And I'm really looking forward to seeing what Stevens can do.
2: I will say this, that the skill position players, Coach Patterson said straight up that it's the most uh, deep that he's ever had. He he's, he said at first, the skill positions are the deepest. Then I came back and asked him, is this the deepest overall team you have? Because you've you got three and four deep at several positions. And that's when he said, yeah, I think this might be the deepest team I've ever had. But he's really impressed with the skill guys they have right now. And there's, there's a couple guys. Bryson Jackson's another one that had a really good practice on Saturday. Chase Van Wagner had a good practice. Uh, Amari DeMicardo, he had a good practice at running back. He's he's really surprised a lot of people. So uh, the line was kind of tough to judge because they, they're they not in paths. They're not really blocking anyone. Uh, but they do have some good size. Chris Dyke's a big kid. Uh, the uh, uh, Burnett kid's pretty big. He's He's got – barrel chest he's he is solid rock solid and i think the class is going to be uh pretty much they're going to be involved in special teams and i think a few of them will be in that too deep
1: well let's hit two more things of what you saw when you were out there did you see anything from the offensive line not just new guys but give give us (laughs) i just told you i know but you gotta you gotta you you got to tell me more because I'm – this is where my nerves are high. What do you want to know? All right, give me okay, your projection. You want, okay, give me so your, left, give me left your tackle. informed projection of the offensive line, both <laughs> of your uh, your deep knowledge of, of football as well as is what a little church mouse told you.
2: Okay, so what I saw on the offensive line was a bunch of standing around <laughs> and going over schemes.
1: I mean, yeah, I co- no coached that team, I mean, the first part.
2: yeah. Okay, no, no offense. I love I love the offensive line, but it, it's tough to it's tough to really go down and watch them if they're not really blocking anyone. Really, you're you're learning technique, you're learning blocking schemes. It's a little bit funner to watch quarterbacks throw passes to receivers who are getting covered by defensive backs or running backs getting covered by linebacker. You know, it, it's it's a little bit more exciting than watching the offensive line kind of stand there. And if you looked at okay, just perfect example. Look at the pictures that I took the other day, and look at the offensive line pictures. What are they doing? They're just kind of standing there. They're Stand in a big. Around. They're in a big group. They're in a big group, and that's that's no offense. I mean that that's part of Chris Thompson's coaching style. I mean he that's what makes him so good is because he does uh, a lot of teaching. But the the offensive line in general, I, I did watch when they were in team, kind of where guys were lined up. I did notice that Austin Myers was pulling in more of the first-team reps than Anthony McKinney. That doesn't mean he's starting the battle still. They're still both working with the ones, but it was kind of like the Michael Collins-Sean at quarterback. Austin would go out there with the first-team unit first, and then when they came back out with the first team, it would be Anthony. And that's kind of how it was with, with the quarterbacks as well. Um, left guard was uh, Cordell. And Cordell, they have a lot of high expectations for him. I know last year, it seemed that he was struggling, struggling a little bit. But someone made a really good point. I forgot who it was on the board that said he might have looked like might have <laughs> might have looked like he was struggling just because he was surrounded by so many good offensive linemen. And when you think about it, he was. I mean, when, when you mm-hmm. had when you had Schlopman out there and Morris and Noteboom and Pryor, I mean, you're talking four guys that are in NFL camps. So he's he's probably going to look the the least experienced and probably not knowing what the heck he's doing most of the time, but he did actually have a pretty decent season center was Kelton Hollins. I I knew Kelton was going to go there. Chris Gaynor was backing him up. Rock guard is the the battle that I'm kind of waiting to see how it plays out. You had Casey McDermott by that was starting. And then Wes Harris was backing him up. I do think I, I heard some of the same things last year when, Uh, someone had mentioned on the board that McDermott Vi was competing last year and and he was, and and you could say the same thing about Wes. Wes was really competing for a starting position too until he got hurt and had to sit out last season. So those two guys right there, I think they're going to go back and forth with each other. And it could be one of those deals where whoever's not starting, they could become part of that eight man rotation. Like coach Patterson said the other day, you want to have your starting five, Then you want to have a backup tackle, a backup guard that can play both guard spots, and a uh, backup center. And that's what they're trying Mm -hmm. to find right now. But right tackle was uh, Lucas, and uh, Bolasomi was backing him up. Third team was kind of a mix. I I really couldn't get a handle on where those guys, they were kind of interchanging them a lot. It was tough to nail down, but as far as the two deep, uh, oh yeah, left guard was Trey Elliott. I think I mentioned everyone else on the two deep for offensive line. So hopefully that fills you in a little bit, Jeff.
1: Yeah, that does. I appreciate that because that was, that was asked from our listeners about 87 times. So I want to make sure that we had that uh, covered thoroughly. Cause that's where the questions I just, are. I mean, that's, that's the biggest question. Mark I just want to say
2: when I, when I go out to the practices, there's no notepads allowed. So all this stuff that I'm telling you comes from, <laughs> comes from memory. So, well, you know I, that rolls right I into our next. Sometimes question. I forget what I what I see, um, but sometimes it takes someone asking me, and then I'm like, "Oh, okay."
1: This is a great. That's a great uh, transition. How paranoid is Coach Patterson about people being <laughs> on his practice field?
2: He's pretty. I mean, he if, if you don't if you don't know him, and he doesn't know you. He'll ask who you are. I mean, someone's if you're just standing out there, you're going to get a visit from Don summer. If you've never been out there before, coach summer is going to come over there and, and ask who you are. And if you're not legit, you're going to be told to hit the road. And obviously the, 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 first 15 minutes of practice when they're going through their individual drills, that's all open. You can video that you can take pictures, but I'm telling you once that 15 minute clock hits 0 you better put that stuff away. What I do is I'll bring my backpack, I have my camera, I put everything in it and I'll take it somewhere and I'll put it up. You're not even allowed to have your phones out at practice. So if you look if I'm looking at my phone, if I look at see what to see what time it is, I turn completely around facing the opposite direction of wherever the actions happen and I pull out my phone real quick and I'll look at it to see what time it is. Cause just just like just like Dang. they do just like they do Uh, watching those practices, they have cameras all over the place and they have people up in those towers and those cameras in the towers can see anything. So if you're making a fool of yourself on the sideline and and you're out there taking notes on a notepad, they're going to, they're going to see you on the film when they go watch it after practice. They're going to be like, they're going to ask Mark Cohen, who the heck is this guy? But the notepad rule come out a few years ago. I think after one of my practice reports, I had a ton – I had a ton of information, and, and they said no more notepads. So it's not that – it's not that uh, they, they think we're going to –
1: So the, the answer to the question is Coach Paranoid, the answer well, is Well, yes. he, he's not so – like he, he,
2: he knows me, so he lets me out there. He knows I'm not going it, to – it's just how you report it. Yeah. I mean, if you're going to say John Stevens caught the ball deep, had a really nice catch – you dang sure better not say who, who it was against. You know what I mean? Because you're reading that John Stevens is going to be a great you know, deep guy, deep, deep threat. But if you're reading that John Stevens is a deep threat and he beat so-and-so, guess what you just found out? So-and-so can't cover the deep pass. Or so-and-so struggled, struggled yeah. defensively time and time again. There was a guy – who Jeremy Monkins was riding his butt all day long, and I did not mention that, and I'm not going to mention his name on here either. But if I reported something like that, that, that this particular individual was having a hard time at practice, that's something that Coach Patterson feels opponents can take and use that knowledge in case you ever see that player on the field. You know what I mean? Because here's here's how he looks at it. If Gary Patterson – is is reading stuff about other programs. He knows people can read that same kind of stuff about his program, so he's real cautious on what he allows. That's why you don't have open practices. That's why uh, some some places have daily uh, media availabilities or daily open practices. But for him, he feels that like he can gain so much from an opponent. Yeah, it's 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 you know take for instance the spring game he loves that people put their spring games on tv because if they're on if they're on his schedule yeah then he could start it's not like they're out there running a sophisticated offense but you know what he's gonna see oh look that little slot receiver he's new he wasn't on their team last year look how fast he is or look at this guy struggled defensively he can't cover the deep ball and so that's that's what you gain out of that
1: well i i I, I want to go on the record and, say, and I approve of this. This is not me being snarky. I, I love that attitude. I love that every, every corner can be, every, every, every advantage can be created. Every, uh, every situation can be exploited to the advantage of the team. And I I like that. I know that every now and then fans are a little finicky, like, "Well, I wish we could know more. I wish you could get into practice more." But in the end, all that does is that all that does is help solidify why Patterson is so good at what he does. Because every situation that he can find an advantage, he's going to, whether that's on the recruiting trail or the way that he lets practice be covered. And sometimes you wish you had another video of the offensive line standing around. But if it uh, if it helps if it if it gets the word out about what what he doesn't want anybody to know, then it's a uh, no need to do it. I think it's a good way to do it.
2: That's what's funny about some fans. Fans fans from opposing fan bases don't like Coach Patterson's style. They just don't like him for whatever reason. But it's funny, at the same time, some TCU fans don't like it either just because he keeps everything so close to the vest and they want it to be an open book. But he, I'm here to tell you right now, it's never going to be like that. The day Coach Patterson lets everything become an open book – is when he's retired and he's having someone write his autobiography. Nice. So until that happens, quit thinking and he's going to. And for so change. long,
0: he's needed to have every little advantage he could have, because oh, yeah. he's always he's always you know been a little old TCU, and it's such a mountain to climb. And and look what we'll look, we'll look where it's gotten it. So all, all power to it, man. Yeah, more
1: power to him. Well, let's switch gears here and, and wrap up what we heard about um, practice and kind of getting the season off to a start here. Let's switch gears to recruiting. Let's uh, Real quick, we had a, a new commitment from maybe the first of the three from Newton, but we had our first commitment of the Newton three. Jeremy, give us a little update about how that went down and maybe where the other two guys stand on their timeline of uh, possibly becoming Frogs.
2: Well, Josh actually committed to TCU over a week ago. He was a silent commit to them and uh, really wanted to do the video thing. And so, you know, no one was going to say anything about him committing. I think, uh, I think Barlow was going to be the next in line. Uh, I, I just got the sense that he was really, really filling TCU. Uh, when I talked to him last, I, I had a chance to talk to him in person because they were up there on campus the same time I was. And, just just the quotes he had was just genuine. I, I know he loves the place. Obviously, with Josh committing, it's one of his best friends, and that's something that they've always talked about is, is playing together. Uh, not not only Josh and Darwin, but uh, Tomazier as well. With Tomasier, I, I, I don't know how much, and I think I've said this before, I, I don't know if he's going to be one of those kids that will commit right away, but I do know... From talking to several people, that the Newton coach wants all three of them to be done with the process before the season starts. Of the three, I think the only one that would probably listen to others is Tomazier. But I, I do know that uh, he obviously sees what TC wants him as. They're recruiting him as a receiver. They're. Um, he, he, they've made it known that he's one of their top pro- project or prospects, not projects, prospects at receiver. And you saw tonight that uh Dalen Wright committed day and them. So uh, not that he was a top receiver prospect for them, but it's another big receiver off the board. So getting a guy like Brown would obviously help them uh, at receiver, especially with not knowing if Omar Manning's going to be back for sure or not. I think, uh, I think Barlow, the most, impressive thing that he saw up there was the fact that you have uh, DeMarque Foster, which is the top-rated running back, four-star, number one in Texas. He's committed, and when he was on that visit, Coach Looper did a great job of getting Darius and Shaywo over there uh, to the camp and, and helping them work that camp because it gave them an opportunity to also talk with Darwin and kind of tell him the advantages of having a two-back system to where you have Darius as a guy that is more of a scat back, lightning top back, and you have Shewo, that's the thunder. And, and that's kind of how it would be with DeMarque and Darwin. DeMarque, even though he's really fast, he's also a very powerful runner, and, and Darwin is a slick runner. So having those two guys as a one-two punch, especially with Darius and Shewo entering their junior season, if they're around for next year, they're going to be a, they're going to be seniors, so they will only have one year left. So if you look at the the playing time for both those running backs for this class, it would be three years, and so that's a lot of playing time for a running back. But yeah, I think they're in great position for for those two guys. Peyton Powell, I'm still on the fence about. I know he was up there. I think he really wants an opportunity to play quarterback. And someone asked me that if you know, if if they're really thinking about it, yeah, they'll they'll let him we we'll let him get up there and, and see what he can do but it reminds me of the 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 kid a few years ago that really wanted to play quarterback played quarterback in high school and went to TCU and lasted a quarterback for a week before he realized he needs to be playing receiver and that was Kobe Listenby sorry i, I know you frog fans it's hate right. to hear that name right now but that That's, was kind of that, I, was, I,
1: that when was you started that story so, i thought you were going to say derek king
2: Oh no 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 no! That, I mean, I, mean, it, I know he never Derrick, ended up here. Eric
1: actually, Eric Kink. Yeah. yeah,
2: he. I mean, he's he's done well at Houston. I mean, he's going to be the face of the I program so this too. year. I mean, he's yeah he's done well at quarterback. But no, it, it, that's how it is. Peyton Peyton sees the opportunities as a as a quarterback. But I'm going to tell you, you're you're going to have to be. Damn good to come in and beat out Max Duggan at quarterback. Oh. I mean, Max is incredible. Max is incredible. Max has all the intangibles that you want in a quarterback. The the kid it has a has a great strong arm. He's very accurate. He's very quick. In this offense, you want to have a kid that can run around if things break down in the pocket. Max can do that. But the thing I like the most about Max is he—he just—he just seems like a leader out there. He's just already, just in a camp camp setting. He doesn't know ninety percent of the kids, ninety-five percent of the kids he's throwing to out there. But he's, hes talking them up. He's telling them great job. He's giving them hints when they come back to the to the huddle. Hey, run the route this way. And you know, just just showing great leadership out there. And like I said, you you better be dang good. To, to be able to come in and, and beat out Max Duggan because you're talking about a quarterback that is a dual threat quarterback with pro style abilities. So put that together and he's already rated as the number three quarterback by us by 24 seven. And I honestly, I mean, he's to me, he's, he's a top five overall quarterback in the country, period. No, I mean, no argument. That's, Dang. that's, that's, that's my opinion. I mean, they, 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 I'll tell you guys later what some of the coaches said about Max uh, at that camp. I could overhear him, but it's pretty pretty funny stuff. But you know, just based off how good the kid is, I, I personally think – I haven't seen I, – I, I mentioned it on the board. I haven't seen a kid throw the football like that since uh, – Trevon Boykin was going into his junior season. And I think I, I was trying to talk to Jeremiah about it. We couldn't remember exactly, but we think he broke a kid's finger at a camp before cause he was throwing passes so hard, but that's been, that's been since <laughs> I, when did, I can't remember when Trey came out, if he was, uh, that, was that
1: would
0: have 2011? been 2011
2: of- or was that 2012 he
1: was, part of yeah, the two, he was part of the 2011 yeah. class. So that was back in 2009. So that would have been that would have been summer yeah. of '09.
2: So '09, yeah. you know, nearly ten years since I've seen a quarterback throw like that at a camp for TCU. Wow.
1: Well, uh, coming down to the wire here, let's let's get about ten more 10, ten more minutes of questions in. Anything else? Or let me let me ask you this, Jeremy: Yes or no, or the best you got? Do we expect any more commitments outside of the kids from Newton between now and the start of the football season? <laughs>
2: Uh, I think Jalen's going to – Catalan's going to wait a while. I mean, that's a top target. Gabriel Hall's going to wait a while. Stefan Wright's going to come visit during the fall. Uh, the kid out of Bishop yeah. Gorman, the defensive end, I think is going to come visit in the fall. I mean, it's slim pickings right now, guys. You have yeah. 16 commitments. you got around 21 spots. That mm-hmm. number can change, so don't write it down in stone. I mean, uh, right now I'm told 21. Yeah, too you've late. Already chiseled it in, haven't you? Somewhere. Uh, I yeah, know. I pulled my three Moses. weeks from now. I'm gonna. I'm gonna see on the board. Well, JC said they were gonna take twenty one. How come that's
1: changed? So. And Jeff yeah. wrote it in stone, and I. I'm, I'm so gonna really, to you it. really, you really only have. You only really have. A handful
2: of spots left. You you, you get a guy like Darwin Barlow. You're you're set at it, running back. Get Tomazier Brown you're probably set at receiver. That's, that's two guys. You get uh, mm-hmm. a kid like Gabriel Hall at tackle. That's three guys. If for some reason you can land uh, Stefan Wright, that's four guys. Jalen, that's five guys. And if you have some outsiders, like David Benda, the linebacker, he's, he's stood TCU up again. I, I don't know how heavy they're going to be recruiting them right now. Uh, and that was, that was kind of one of those deals where they weren't real happy about him not making the trip last, last week. And, and you have some other guys that they're still evaluating. I mean, the kid from Canada that came in last week at tackle the, the six, six, he was six 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 and a half, three hundred five 305 pounds. And, and he's getting, he's getting some interest. He's, he seems to be getting offers to every camp he goes to, but okay. uh, it's, it's slim pickings right now. I mean, that, it, it gives them the chance to start looking at 2020 kids more in depth, watching film on those guys and and extending offers to those guys and really just holding on to the current commits you got. I don't think there's anyone wavering. I know Texas is still going pretty hard after Andrew Coker. Uh, that's really the only kid that I know of right now off the top of my head that's getting really getting heavily pursued by another program.
1: Okay. All right, well, let's go through a few more listener questions. Let's do these as quick as we can. Uh, Daniel, we'll start with you. Uh, Texas is playing good defense. Matt Rule is in the conference. Matt Campbell is in the conference. TCU obviously is committed. Oklahoma State's gone to the 4-2-5. Do you see a shift towards defensive football in this conference, and do you feel like the conference is maybe going to be moving away from its reputation or running the spread at all costs? What do you see on that front?
0: I think so. And I've, I've, I've seen this theory out there kind of pretty, I mean, I don't have the facts to back it up, but it feels like it was all based on Art Bryles. And now that Art Bryles is gone, you don't have that offense that scored every minute to keep up with. And I personally like running the football better. I like controlling the clock. Um, The shootouts kind of got old um, and I don't know. I mean, I know Mike Leach kind of started the whole thing, but he's out at tech and they're never going to do anything, but somehow Art Briles, um, changed everything. And it's, I guess it seemed like everyone had to p- pick up that same style or at least some, st- uh, part of an air raid system just to be able to keep up with the scoring or they were just going to get blown out every time. Um, I don't know. I I don't. I haven't researched it. That's just an interesting, interesting thought, I think. But I, I feel like, yeah, they the Big Twelve is going to be moving back towards, um, less you know. Crazy high flying and what ESPN always calls basketball or arena football and all this crap because, uh, because they're awful anyway. But
1: yeah, I think uh, that kind of brings it. I think 2015 was the peak of that. You had, it was last year at Bryles, obviously Sonny and and Doug were running the offense here. Obviously Cliff uh, Lincoln had just gone to Oklahoma. Oklahoma state was, was doing what they did. And I I do feel like some of the coaching changes have, have recalibrated expectations of what, what it means to play the spread in the big 12. Jeremy question for you two years ago, our receivers dropped balls at at a, at a record pace. We had the most drops in, in FBS. What changed? and don't say they caught it.
2: <laughs> uh more catchable balls, I guess. Um, I mean I don't I don't know. I mean they I mean it's it's only natural when you have such a horrible season one year. I mean if you're a quarterback, and you throw 10 interceptions, obviously you want to throw less than 10 inter- interceptions. So as a receiver, if you have <clears throat> 10 drops, you want to definitely get rid of that high number. So that, that was one of the things going into last season. And I asked a lot of, I asked the same question to every receiver I, t- I spoke with. What What's the goal for you guys? And and obviously the goal was for them. They knew they led the con- country and uh, uh, drop passes. And, and so obviously as a receiving core, that makes you look pretty dang bad. That's not a category you want to lead the country in. And uh, I guess they took a little bit of ownership and in, in trying to improve on that number and, Obviously, it worked out a little bit better. I still think they had uh, some key drops, but when you have a guy like John Drs that you're throwing the football to, that guy was money. Um, Jalen Austin's a good receiver. Jalen Rager came in pretty strong. I know he had, he had the, probably the biggest drop of the year against oh. Arkansas when everyone was giving him giving heck against you know when he had that one-handed attempt. But overall, it just just when when you think about it. Just improve play from from just those three guys that's going that's going to help that stat go down a little bit lower, but yeah i mean that's that's something that I, and TCU needs to keep improving on They've got such a talented group of guys that it's it's hard to think that they can have so many drops, but this year I mean they're going to have to haul them in, especially with new quarterbacks
1: One word answer from both of you, Daniel, will urban Meyer be coaching on September fifteenth? Yeah, Jerry World against TCU.
0: Mm, no,
1: Jeremy. Yes, I'm gonna agree with Jeremy. I think it's yes. I'm afraid that it is yes.
0: I wish it. I wish it was no, but I'm gonna go with no, and I hope that that's it. But it probably is gonna be yeah.
1: Yeah. If you haven't uh if you haven't met the bottom feeders of society, go out and look at some of the folks that were at the quote support Urban Meyer protest outside of the stadium. I know there's only two hundred people there and two hundred people don't speak for a state and they don't speak for a university, but oh man. I love that they were blaming, quote, ESPN bias for this story. Now the guy that broke the story was fired by ESPN 18 months ago in their layoffs. But hey, don't <laughs> let the truth get in the way of a really good meme born out of your ignorance. So that's. that's and it's a, not I, like
0: Ohio State is a gigantic cash cow for ESPN. No no, no, no,
1: no, 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 no. I like
2: Brett McMurphy. That's just like. Didn't we talk about this a long time ago with the with the Penn State documentary they had on Netflix? Uh. I can't remember what it's called. Gosh, dang it. Something Happy Valley. Oh. But, man, just just the way people were – even after all these allegations came out and, and Paterno was said to have known about a lot of this stuff, mm-hmm. just the overall support, man, that he the, – would like the crazed Penn State fans just going nuts and, like, they, they had all this documented. People wanting to fight people that were – telling these guys, hey, I can't believe you're respecting this guy. Yeah, he coached great football, but, man, look what he knew and this and that. But they didn't care, man. They did not oh. care because he, he won so many football games, and he was a model citizen. I mean, that's that's just how some people are.
1: Oh, I know. It is. I mean, I know that I'm, I'm a rabid fan. I can't deny that. But I, I hope that in some way I can find rationality if, if – uh, I'll, I'll just say this. I don't have one beef at all with how the university or, obviously, Coach Patterson responded to the the drug bust in 2012. That's yeah. – 2000, that, they did the right thing. People are like, oh, they shouldn't have been separated from the university. You know what? If you're dealing pot, you don't have a right to go to school there. They got a choice to say we don't want you on there. And I I believe in second chances, but that second chance doesn't have to be at the place where you blew your first chance. So, yeah. man, I, I just – I can't. If I could just convince the world to take a deep breath and realize this is college football, um, I think the world would be a better place. But man, that's uh, that's a tough spot up there in Ohio. I, I mean, I was going to talk about it. I don't know what else there is to say. It's just, it's a terrible situation. Let me say this: Don't hit women. How's that? That's the clearest response. Don't hit women. I think uh, I think that's probably the the root cause of this whole situation that seems to get swept under the rug of all the way down to somebody who's like, now if TCU beats Ohio State, but Urban Meyer's got a three game suspension, will it matter come playoff time? I'm like, how about you stop beating your wife? That's that's my thought. So
2: yeah. Hey, speaking oh, of second man. chances, you know who I saw on Friday?
1: Coach from uh, second uh, from Last Chance U. No, Buddy Stevens. <laughs> uh. Casey Pauhau,
2: oh no kidding! Yep. How's Casey doing? He was up at TCU's camp. Well, I didn't have a chance to talk to him, but I I was standing probably about 15 feet away from him, and man, he looks solid, dude. I mean he he's he's not the he's not fat. Let, let me preface this: he's not fat, but he's not the the skinny Casey Pauhau we all remember. He's he's a solid looking dude. But that just it, that's that's crazy when when you're talking about second chances and just think of how coach Patterson just could have kicked him to the curb. And you look, Mm -hmm. you look at that situation in the present and I mean, Casey's a, a family guy. He's got a baby now and married and coach Patterson comes up to talk to him. And you could just see the respect between the two of them. And that's, and people always wonder why people, you know, after they're done playing football, how come so many players come back to TCU and that's, that's why, I mean, it really is, really is that family feel, no matter how many times people try to you know, just talk bad about them. You have those select people that you can count on one hand, whereas the people that respect and, and, and honor TCU's football program is countless. I mean, it's in the hundreds and it's just funny to, to see those, uh, see those select players just, kind of turning their back on the university the way they have
1: yeah You can always get a camera in a in a in a storyline when when you say something negative. But the the hundreds and hundreds of players that have come through the program and got their degree and moved on with life and realized that there's something to accomplish in life outside of football. That's that's one of the things I really admire about Coach Patterson and and Mrs. Patterson. I think Kelsey obviously plays a a heavy hand in that and and rightfully so. So you hear that phrase constantly that uh, TCU is family. And you can see that in in, in their marriage and, and the way that that spills over in, into the rest of the program in a positive way. So, yes, you can you can say a few bad things on the internet and get a, get a crowd, but that's not the same as uh, just the the line around the corner of people whose lives got impacted by playing football for Kerry Patterson. So. Well, folks, we're going to bring this to a to an end here. We appreciate you taking the time to listen to our podcast. If you haven't yet, please get on iTunes and subscribe to us. Give us a rating. Follow us on social media. You can follow me at the Frogcast podcast. Uh at the Frogcast TCU, as well as follow us on Facebook. And if you're not a member of Horn Frog Blitz 24 7, you've got to sign up now. This is where you're going to find all of that great insider information. Jeremy's ability to have strong sources inside of the program, as well as some other people that come on there and give us some good back and forth. If you, if you, believe, if you love TCU football, if you want to know what's going on, there's no better place to be than Horn Frog Blitz. You've got to sign up now. So, for Jeremy and for Daniel, I'm Jeff Mitchell. Thanks so much for listening to the Frogcast.